This is Heather Vickery with the Brave Files podcast, and you are listening to Pop Goes Your World. I'm Chris McBrien, and the pop culture from Generation X is everything to me. And I'm Derek Myers, and I'm here to educate Chris on the great pop culture of today's generation. Episode 166, Terminator 2 Judgment Day Movie Review. Hey, I'm Chris McBrien, along with Derek Myers, and this is Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Derek, how are you, my friend? I'm doing very well, Chris. How are you doing tonight? Oh, you know, I'm just doing wonderful and better than normal, I would say, because this week we've got something very special lined up, Derek. As I mentioned at the end of our last show, uh, we're being joined by a very special guest this week. So, uh, Derek... You know, I always joke about how kids today don't like any of the, the good old movies from Generation X. Well, this week I'm going to be proven wrong because we are joined by YouTuber Luke Tilly, who is 12 years old, but reviews old Gen X movies on his YouTube channel. Luke, thanks for joining us on the podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for having me on here. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks for coming on. We really appreciate having you on. Like I say, I'm the old guy around here, and I usually rail about, you know, young people and how young people don't like any of the good old stuff. But here you are, and you like Gen X movies. So I think it's we're just going to get along great, me and you. I tell you about that. You want to do me a oh, favor? Yeah. Just tell everyone how they can find your YouTube channel and uh, maybe even some of the movies that you've reviewed over there. All right, so I'm on my channel is Luke Tilly. There's like mm -hmm. three other channels with the name Luke Tilly. It's spelled L U K E T I L L E Y. There's like three other, I think, but like mine has like 109 subscribers, so like it has the most. And some of the movies I've reviewed are Stand by Me, Halloween, and Terminator 2, like the one we're reviewing right now. And Halloween, when I'm talking about the number one from 1979, John Carpenter's, right? Yeah. Nice, because there's been a, there's been some remakes of that. I think Rob Zombie did one in like 2000 oh, yeah. and stuff. So, no, that's great. Um, now, we usually start off the show around here, Luke. We like to mention anything pop culture related that we've experienced, uh, you know, just a lot in the past little while or whatever. So, Derek, you want to start us off? Uh, what's new in pop culture in your world, my friend? Hey, Chris. So, yeah. I, uh, I had a chance to catch a few movies this week. Uh, mm -hmm. The first of which... So this was a new experience for me. Uh, since the movie theaters are essentially locked down and we can't go to congregate in large theaters anymore, Hollywood has started releasing big movies at home. And so one of the movies that was slated to come out this past summer that did not come out was Tenet, which is the latest movie by Christopher Nolan. And... Um, it was uh, finally released in limited theatrical release, I think in August, and then it's now finally available to uh, watch at home. So we were able to um, uh, watch it through our smart TV this week. We still had to pay a few bucks, but considering I had every intention of paying full price to see it in the theater, I didn't mind dropping a few dollars on it. And... Um, it's one of these uh, it's one of these sort of cerebral kind of movies where there's like 
time travel involved. So you've got some stories going forward in time, some stories going backwards in time, and then the stories overlap and intersect. So it's a little bit tough to follow, but it was it was really good. I really, really liked it. I'm a big fan of Christopher Nolan's work. Uh, it reminded me a lot of Inception, also by Christopher Nolan. It was a lot of that same kind of mess with your mind, really make you think kind of uh, kind of movies. I understand that it's it's not going to be for everyone. And a few people I know whose opinion I really respect thought it was terrible. But then other people that I didn't think were, were going to enjoy it at all loved it. So this was really going to be a hit or miss for people. But uh, I thought it was great. I thought um, it visually it was stunning. And uh, it's a, I was a little disappointed I didn't get a chance to actually th- see it in the theater. I think it might have enhanced the viewing experience. But we had a chance to watch it. The, the good thing about watching it at home was you get it for a 48-hour window and you can watch it as often as you want for the same price. And because this is one of those because it has time travel elements, once you know what happens at the end of the movie, you watch it a second time and you really get a better understanding of why things are happening a certain way. So I actually got a chance to watch it twice, which I, I really appreciated. So had I saw it in the theater, I don't think I would have gone back to pay another 20 bucks to see it again right away. But being able to watch it twice two days in a row i i think really is part of why i liked it so much but it, it was quite good i really thought it was quite good i really liked it i i would give it like a solid eight and a half nine out of ten. One thing that uh, you mentioned prob- one thing you yeah, mentioned about it you said that a few people whose opinions that you respect a lot didn't like it, it, it am i one of those people <laughs> uh well uh let's say i respect your opinion but uh when it comes oh, to good. some of the newer movies uh I just I we're going to agree to disagree because I have a feeling I know where, what side of the fence you're going to land on. I was more just kind of fishing if you actually respected my opinion. That's all. So it's all good. sure. Okay. Yes, definitely. Anything else? Uh, well, I have a documentary. For forty days and forty nights, watch documentaries. He likes to learn about the world. It's Derek's documentaries. Derek's documentaries. So, Luke, uh, Derek's documentaries are so special. He gets his own intro to them. What do you think? What do you think of that intro? Was it pretty good? Yeah, it was really good. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh, so, Luke he... and I are becoming good friends over here. I, I, I think I think Luke's just kissing up because he wants us to invite him again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> in any case. so That's the way I to do just, it. Just, tell, yeah. t- just keep saying that you like all my songs. You can come back anytime. Uh, yep, for sure. So I have two documentaries, but one's really quick. So I'll do the good, the big one first. So there's a series of documentaries that have been showing on HBO about famous celebrities who are no longer with us. And it's called I am. And then you insert the name of the person. So there was like, I am Heath Ledger. I am Richard Pryor. I am Patrick Swayze. So the new one that just dropped it. And there was the I am John Belushi was a little while ago. So the new one that just came out is called I am Burt Reynolds. And it premiered earlier this week. And, you know, I'm a pretty big fan of Burt Reynolds, especially um, uh, like Boogie Nights is one of my all time favorite movies. And it was funny because they showed I am Burt Reynolds. And then immediately following that, they showed Boogie Nights. So, you know, my night was totally, totally killed. I had to watch both of them back to back. But the Burt Reynolds doc was really good. I didn't really know a lot about his early life and early career. So that was that was very educational. But I found that they really um, glossed over sort of the 80s. For Burt Reynolds, they basically got up to yeah. the late seventies and Smoking the Bandit, and then it was like right to boogie and nights. Then he had, then he had problems with pills and drugs and other things and and uh, and back problems, and then he was in Boogie Nights, and you're like, mm-hmm. 
wow, like you really seem to go. Because for me, I remember all those movies in the 80s with Burt Reynolds. And I know they weren't. Oh, yeah. Stroker Ace. Stroker Ace. Cannibal Run. uh, Oh, man. Yeah, Cannibal Run. And uh, yeah, there was was a ton of them. Cannibal Run 2. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I was a little disappointed. They sort of just glossed over a lot of those. But uh, it was still pretty good. It was pretty entertaining. It was very educational when it comes to learning about Burt Reynolds' career. Um, So, yeah, I was glad I watched it. And, Chris, again, I think you'd really enjoy it. Just obviously Burt Reynolds right in your wheelhouse. And I know Mm -hmm. how much you love Smokey and the Bandit. And uh, so if you have a chance to watch it, I would would say take a look, try and find it. The other thing, the documentary that I had a chance to uh, take a look at is a series on Netflix that a buddy of mine pointed out to me. It's called Song Exploder. Have you heard of this? Never even heard of it. Luke, have you heard of this? Uh, no, I have not. Uh, yeah, okay. I haven't heard of it either. So tell so, us about it. Okay, so they've done two seasons. Each season is four episodes long, and each episode is only 25 minutes. And basically what they do is they take a relatively popular song, okay. and they interview the artists, and they talk about, like, how did you re- how did you create this song? What were the influences? And it's just a little 20-minute behind-the-scenes documentary of how they came up with the ideas for the song. So, like, one of the songs is Losing My Religion by R.E.M., the one I watched today was um, When You Were Young by The Killers. Um, there's one that's Hurt by Nine Inch Nails. So, um, and, and then there's a couple other ones that are from uh, more recent artists who I'm like, I don't really think I know this song. And then at the end of each episode, they they play the song. The band performs the song. So you get, like they even said, they go, and now here's the song in its entirety. And so again, they were 25 minutes each, really short. But if the song even remotely interests you or the band is a band that you enjoy, it's totally worth it. So I may not watch all eight of them just because a couple of the songs I'm like, don't care for it. But the ones that I, that I have watched that I are on songs I like, it was, it was solid. So it's called song exploder on Netflix. And then the other one was I am Burt Reynolds, which is on Mm -hmm. HBO. All right. Those are my two. Uh, Luke, you mentioned you like to review older Gen X movies and that's awesome by the way. Uh, but what have you been up to lately? Have you watched any movies or TV shows of the past few weeks that you'd like to mention? Um, No, not really. I just finished watching Terminator 2 right before we started this podcast. I haven't nice. been watching too much movies lately. I've been watching like shows. Yeah. I, I got one thing I want to share. <clears throat> I got a new TV. I got it for Christmas. It's one of those newfangled smart TVs. Uh, let me tell you, <clears throat> it's got this app on it that has every single season of some of my favorite TV shows of all time. There's The Jeffersons, there's Good Times, Facts of Life, and my 11-year-old son and I sat down and watched the pilot episode of Fantasy Island with Ricardo Montalban and Hervé Villachez from 1977. And it was so funny because all of these shows that are on there have this disclaimer at the beginning. And it says... Something like this program is is presented as it was originally created. It may contain language, attitudes, cultural depictions, and racial prejudices, which may offend today's audiences. And I was oh like, my. yeah, no kidding. <laughs> 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 and it's so funny. So we watched this first episode of Fantasy Island. And then my wife and I also sat down and watched the pilot episode of The Jeffersons. My goodness. Oh, wow. I mean, I enjoyed it. But the topics that they talked about, the language that they used, the the misogyny that was in it, it was like, it was just unbelievable. It was unbelievable how much television content has changed. But I will say my son liked Fantasy Island, but my wife was not very happy that I let him watch it. She just didn't think it was appropriate. I don't know. But one thing that I also do around here, Luke, before we get started, is I do this thing. Um, it's called... Here's your 
dad joke of the week. Okay, so because I'm old, I do a dad joke. So are you ready? I figured since we're doing T2, Judgment Day, <clears throat> I would do an Arnold Schwarzenegger dad joke. Okay? All right. Here we go. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Tom Cruise, and Bruce Willis said they wanted to star in a movie about classical musicians. Bruce Willis said, I'll play Mozart. Tom Cruise said, I'll play Beethoven. And Arnold said, I'll be Bach. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> yes, Luke liked it. Luke liked it, Of course it, man. he did. Oh yeah. my God. No, it was just clever, fan- though. It was clever. Yeah, thank you very much. It was good, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, I yes. really like the I'll be back part of it. Oh, yes. That Take that fun. one, Derek. Put that one in your <laughs> pipe and smoke it. <laughs> I'm your head counselor. I did not enjoy this anymore the second time. <laughs> What's going on? What's wrong? I've never seen it. Oh, never wow. interested in seeing it. No desire to see it. Was not interested at all. Oh, I paid $200 for these shoes, but I mean, I'm the best. It's certainly tame by today's standards. There's a very fat pair of pants hanging from the flagpole this morning. It is not something I think I ever need to see again. Oh! Matt Damon. Matt Damon. All right. Terminator 2 Judgment Day from 1991. I actually saw this movie in the theater when it was released. I have not seen it since until last night when I watched it again in preparation for this podcast. So I wanted to start with a couple of things. <clears throat> First off, Luke, I invited you on the podcast, as I mentioned, because you're a great YouTuber and you review Gen X movies. Again, super cool. And I basically said to you, you can pick whatever movie that you wanted to do here on the show and you chose Terminator 2 Judgment Day. So I have a question for you. Of all the movies that you could have picked, why this one? Well, the thing is, I've, like, seen Terminator 2 so many times. It's, like, something about it. I just, like, love rewatching it. And just, like, I just really enjoy the movie. It's one of my favorite movies. Okay, well, I have a question for both of you. 30 years later, how do you think this movie holds up? Derek? I think it holds up great. I loved it. I'll tell you. I got all sorts of stories and anecdotes and stuff about this. But in answer to your media question, I loved it. I thought it was great. All right, Luke, does the movie hold up? So I wasn't born when this movie first came out, obviously. Mm-hmm. But, like, I think it does hold up. And, like, I don't know. I still think it holds up. I love the movie still. Like, you've grown up with these action-packed special effect movies, you know, full of CGI. So, like, is is this movie, like, great? Or is it lame when you compare it to today's movies, though? Especially all those, like... Uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. Like, how does it hold up against those? What do you think? Well, the thing is, I think it still holds up because, like, they don't overuse, like, CGI in Terminator 2. There's actually, like, a lot of practical effects in it, and they don't go full-out CGI in Terminator 2. Good point. Good point. And we'll get into some of them. Some of the things I was thinking of were, like, some of the car crashes, some of the helicopter stuff was... They didn't use CGI for it, right? But since we're talking yeah. about special effects, I do want to mention it was done by Industrial Light and Magic. And Dennis Muren and Stan Winston worked on this movie, and they cut their teeth working on the special effects for Star Wars back in 77. And on this film, they were really sort of building on the work that they did in The Abyss, also with James Cameron, especially in regard to the um, the liquid metal Terminator, which was basically an extension of the water tube CGI effects that they did for the Abyss. And Luke, have you seen the Abyss? Uh, no, I've like I've seen that one clip with like the water thing or whatever. 
I haven't so you, seen it. Though. So you're familiar with that kind of water thing moving? Oh yeah, I've seen it before. So like, that I haven't was, seen the movie, but I've seen like the water thing. Right. So that special effect was obviously done by James Cameron. He directed that movie mm-hmm. too. And the same guys that worked on that, they took it a step further and they said, hey, let's make this liquid metal guy, you know, kind of based on the same effect. I do want to say one thing, guys. So I mentioned earlier, I got my, my new TV for Christmas. It's a 4K TV, okay? And I watched this movie last night on the new TV. But even though it's the sort of newest, latest, state-of-the-art technology, four, do you guys have 4K TV? Derek, do you have a 4K TV? I have a 4K TV, but I don't have anything with a 4K input. So I, I don't have the opportunity to take advantage of that. Okay, like when you watch movies or TV shows on it, does the 4K give it an, an, a weird effect? No. Oh, that's weird. Is it supposed to? Yeah. So on mine, for whatever reason, the 4K, even if I'm watching regular shows, my wife and I watch um, uh, Sons of Anarchy on a regular basis. And when you watch it on there, it looks different. It just, it, 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 how can I explain it? It almost looks like crap. It, <laughs> it looks cheap. It, like when I, it, my wife says it's like watching Coronation Street. Which which I thought was kind of true because everything looks like it's shot on these crappy video cameras. I think 4K... Um, Luke, do you have a 4K TV? Uh, yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? It tries to make everything look like it's in 3D. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So, you know the ter- like how Terminator 2 like got re-released and like it was put on a 4K Blu-ray? Okay. On like the 4K Blu-ray, like everything just looks so gray. So have you watched the 4K Blu-ray on your 4K TV? Yes, I have, and it looked really bad. Really? See? So uh, I'm not see, hang on, hang on. I think oh. both of you guys need to go back and double-check your settings because <laughs> I, think, I think this is a case where there is an opportunity for the technology to be amazing, and I think that, especially on Chris's side, that it's just you don't have it set to what it's supposed to be set at to take full advantage of it. That that's my that is my belief until you can convince me otherwise. Chris, right. no, I don't want you to be ragging on this. This technology is no good. I'm an old man, and oh my no, god, and I wish it was a picture tube. Like, hey, calm down. Let's just uh, yeah. Luke, no, it works yeah. fine. It's just it was only that 4K Blu-ray. Like a lot of other stuff. Like it depends where you play on it. It was just. Like, there's some, like, stuff that doesn't look the best, but, like, if I pop in, like, my normal Blu-ray, so they look pretty good. So, for me, when I watch it on the 4K, whether whether it's a regular TV show or this movie or anything, it's like the 4K, like, maybe my settings are set wrong. And I'll put it out there to the universe. If anyone out there on Twitter or Facebook or anything, or if you want to email me, chris at popgoesyourworld.com, and give me some advice on how to use my 4K TV, I'm all ears to figure it out because as far as I'm concerned my 4k tv is all about making everything kind of stand out and it gives everything like a deep focus but the problem is is that it takes away from the artistic expression of the director and especially the cinematography of movies and tv shows that's just my take so that's just my take on it but I remember the first time that I ever experienced 4k I was visiting my parents and they were watching Return of the Jedi and I couldn't believe how crappy the special effects looked on it with the 4K. It just looked cheap and dumb. But anyway, um, for this movie, I want to talk about one thing I want to start with is the villain. So I believe the key to any good action movie is a good villain. And Robert Patrick's performance in this, none of these special effects at all would have worked if his performance didn't bring it all together. I guess figuratively mm-hmm. and literally, you know, kind of. But he plays it completely stoic and... That's what makes it so effective and really scary, too. I think no matter, like, 
no matter what happens to him, he just keeps coming. Nothing yeah. phases him. Nothing slows him down. Nothing can stop him. It's very effective. So what were your thoughts, uh, Luke, as far as movie villains go, uh, that uh, the cop, uh, how, how, do you, how do you stand up for you as a movie villain? Um, I completely agree with you. Like, none of, like, like you said, none of the special effects would have worked without him. Like, I don't know. Like, he just, like, feels like an actual, like, machine sent from the future, like, trying to kill them. Like, he just nails his performance. I just, like, he actually is legitimately scary. Like, that stare he gives is freaking creepy. And the thing is, he's not even, like, a big physically imposing. Like, Arnold is big and physically imposing. (laughs) Yeah. Robert Patrick isn't. He's a little skinny guy, but he's terrifying in this role. Derek, you agree with the villain here? You like him? Don't like him? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that was part of the point of, you know, when you're going to do a sequel, you need to take what you know about the first one and sort of turn it on its head. So the whole premise with this one that the villain from the first movie is the hero in this one and that, that you've got this new villain. Well, when Arnold is so big and imposing, if he's supposed to be the, quote, hero of the movie or at least on the side of the hero – how do you how do you juxtapose that on screen? Well, you could get an even bigger guy. Well, that's probably going to be hard to do. Um, so I, I like the idea that they said, well, no, no, let's go smaller, but, but lean more on the intimidation factor. It's it's mm-hmm. he's more slender. He's less physically um, imposing on the screen, but th- that gave the actor an opportunity to to portray villainy in his role and and I agree I think he did a great job and good point about Arnold how he kind of like juxtaposes against uh, Robert Patrick because one of the most effective parts of the first Terminator film was the fact that Arnold played the villain because at the time that was a little bit of a twist because you don't always have the main star of your movie be the bad guy at least in a big Mm -hmm. action movie right and then I like in the sequel, they, they go back and they make Arnold the good guy. He's the hero this time, right? And the twist happens early in the movie, but it's incredibly gratifying for the audience. I remember watching this movie in the theater and the audience literally cheered out loud when you realize that Arnold is the good guy. Like it was it was quite a moment. Like I remember, but uh, but so, so I mentioned Arnold and Robert Patrick play, you know, two of the most prominent characters. But I one thing I do want to mention is some of the other members of the cast, because This is one thing that that stands out to me. I I went into this movie, again, not having seen it in 30 years and thinking, oh, it's special effects. It's all special effects. I was actually astounded by how good the the cast was in this this movie. So one guy I want to mention was Earl Bowen. He played Silberman. Dr. Silberman. Remember that guy? Yep. That guy has been in so many things over the years. Like he, I remember he was in 9 to 5, the movie with Dolly Parton, and he was in The Man with Two Brains. But he did all these spots on TV shows back in the 80s, like Three's Company and Family Ties and Alf and stuff like that. But although he was probably best known for playing Angela's boss, Jim Peterson on Who's the Boss? I don't know if you remember that or not, but I remembered him right away from that. Uh, I I remember him as sort of the character actor that would pop up now and then, but... um... Honestly, I don't I don't have any particularly strong mm. recollection of him in any one thing other than this. Because he appears he's one of the only actors that appears in, in both Terminator One, Terminator right. Two, and Terminator Three. I've never seen Terminator Three. The only thing I remember about it was I remember Conan O'Brien used to have this thing where he would bring Arnold Schwarzenegger's face on a TV screen and then he'd have someone's lips superimposed on it. And then he mm-hmm. would interview him. And I just remember him saying, uh, Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines, still in theaters. 
That's all I remember. I've never seen the movie, though. Um, and, of course, Luke has no idea what I'm talking about with these old <laughs> 80s TV shows. But another guy that stood out to me was the kid that gets on the motorcycle with Edward Furlong. So at first, I said to my wife, I go, I think that's the kid from Big. You know Tom no. Hanks' friend? But it wasn't because it, it was just... No bugging me and bugging me for most of the movie and then it finally came to me yep it's from different strokes it was yeah in the late seasons of different strokes uh mr drummond got married to dixie carter and she had a son named sam and he was literally the red-headed stepchild you remember that Derek, <laughs> too, when you saw that yeah yeah it's, i do it took me a little while to the clue in that, that was definitely when that show jumped the shark oh definitely i agree with yeah. you it was, it was it was like when they in the, um, uh, the brady bunch when they brought cousin oliver in same thing you know um yeah. edward furlong I got to say, one hell of a talented actor. You can just tell from the performance he gives here. Now, the one thing is, though, I, th- I thought he died. And, and, and even my wife, we were watching, and she thought he was dead, too, like from a drug overdose yeah. or something. And I said that to her, and she's like, oh, yeah, no, he's died. And then I looked it up after I watched the movie. I was delighted to find out he's still alive. Uh, now, I don't know why I thought that, but um, like I, was saying, I wasn't the only one. My wife thought it, too. But I'll be honest, I haven't seen any of his other work but he's clearly a talented actor. Have you seen him in anything else? Luke, have you ever seen Edward Furlong, the, the guy that played John Connor? Have you seen him in anything else? Um. Okay, so I've seen, like, I've heard of other movies he's in, like American History Story X. I haven't, like, seen his other movies yet, but I want to soon. And, uh, and Derek, have you seen in, you've seen Edward Furlong in anything? Uh, yeah, a couple of movies. Again, as uh, as Luke mentioned, he was in American History X. He was pretty okay. good in that, which also has, um, oh my God, I'm blanking on his name. The guy who was just in People vs. Larry Flynn is the lawyer. Oh my God, I can't believe I can't think of his name. Edward, uh, Edward Norton, thank yes. you. Oh my God. Um, and then, uh, yeah, American History X was really good. I was actually thinking about recommending that for next week's movie, but that's a pretty heavy topic, so I opted for something different. But there was also a, a really good movie that um, Edward Furlong was in, um, written and directed by John Waters, called Pecker. Uh, again, it was like a little indie film, but it did very well on video, uh, and it was quite good as well. Well, that was the one about David Pecker, the guy from the National Enquirer. I believe so, yeah. Yes, I remember reading about that. Again, I never saw it. Was there any other members of the cast... Um, Luke, for you, for you can maybe uh, take us on this one. Any other members of the cast that kind of stood out to you? Any of the other characters that you kind of liked or, or maybe didn't like or anything for that matter? Well, I like really liked Linda's Ham- Linda Hamilton's performance. Like in the first one, like she was like sort of nice or whatever. But like in the second one, like she has like tons of muscle and it's like she's sort of a lot more like aggressive and like defensive. And I really liked how like they flipped her character around, like her performance like just really buys her as like the sort of she feels like a like a new character sort of like she doesn't feel like the same character as she was in the first one but that's not a bad thing though I was really happy what they did with her character and I also I don't know I really liked Arnold Schwarzenegger's character the TV 100 I thought he did really good too and all of the other characters are actually really good even the ones that weren't didn't have the best personality I still thought the actors who played them did a good job I like how you mentioned how Linda Hamilton got all buff for this part. Uh, that was a big part of the press that was leading up to the film's release. I remember, remember that. Uh, Derek, any other uh, of the, uh, the the supporting cast that you liked or didn't like or anything like that? Well, I mean, J- James Cameron has a few sort of character actors that he uses in a lot of his movies. So when you're watching it, you sort of go, oh, yeah, I think I recognize that person. 
Um, the um, the woman who played the stepmom, um, I'm just double checking her name here, Jeanette Goldstein. She was she's been, I think, in almost every James Cameron movie. She was in Titanic as like the 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 poor mother who dies in her bed holding on to the husband. She was in the Aliens movie. She was the uh, the really like tough soldier woman who's like, hey, have you yes. ever been mistaken for a man? And she's like, no, have you? Uh, so oh, she's really got a, a lot of range, even though she's not usually cast in a leading role. Um, there's obviously uh, Cameron enjoys her performance and, uh, and is kept around. But I mean, the characters that play the Dyson family that plays Miles Dyson and uh, and his wife, uh, Joe Morton is the actor and oh, yes. uh, S. Patha Markerson, um, uh, Merkerson rather, are uh, are both well known. Um, Esapetha went on to be the captain in Law and Order for like a decade. She was Van and, Buren, uh, wasn't she? Yeah. yeah. And uh, Joe Morton's appeared in lots of stuff. He had a good part in uh, the movie Speed with Keanu Reeves. He's the captain. Um, and he's more recently been on a show called God Friended Me. Um, and let me tell you, that guy, he looks exactly the same 30 years later. Like it's, <laughs> he uh, aged. He's, he's aged very gracefully. Yes. Um, but yeah, Don't forget. I mean, the performances are so good in this movie. I, I mean, that's the thing with James Cameron. He's been in the movie making business a long time. And even though this was 30 years ago, he was still pretty, um, pretty experienced when he made this film. And he's clearly got a, a good eye for talent. I mean, not that he's the casting agent, but I think once he finds he people he knows are talented, he he tends to lean on them uh, to come back again and again. So, yeah, there's a lot of great performing supporting performances the other one is the guy who um when they go to mexico and get all the guns that are buried in the bunker and stuff uh where he's like oh, who's yeah. your big friend uh uncle bob okay uncle bob uh <laughs> it's um uh castulo guerrera is his name he's been in a million things like he's he always seems to show up when they're like we need an older latino guy who can be Anything from a biker, a judge, a doctor, a criminal, uh, uh, you know, the mayor of the town, the the, the daughter's uh, stepfather, whatever. This guy has been in a million different roles. He always just seems to have very small parts, but he he always does does a good job. So yeah, there's there's a lot of people in this. You if you hadn't seen this before and you went back and watched, you go, oh, I recognize that guy. Oh, I recognize that guy. So definitely, Joe Morton. Going back to him for a second. Don't forget, he was in the brother from another planet. If you, you ever- say so. No, it was this 1984 John Sayles movie. There was this alien that comes down to Harlem and gets hunted down by alien bounty hunters. I recognize him right away. I want to give a shout out to Canadian actor Don Lake. He was one of the doctors, I think, in the mental hospital. He used to be on um, Super Dave Osborne. And he was in, remember those Christopher Guest movies we were talking about the other week? With like Best in Show and Waiting for Guffman. He was in all those. But the thing I liked about it was that James Cameron seem to go out and get some really good actors for his movie. He could have just, this is his sequel. He could have just went and crammed a bunch of big name movie stars just to try and make it as big as possible. But instead he went with all these talented actors. I think it really pays off, you know. Um, speaking of James Cameron, uh, Luke, have you watched or enjoyed any other of James Cameron's films? And if so, which ones did you like or not like? Uh, what do you think of James Cameron as a director? First of all, James Cameron's an amazing director. I love his sort of vision in movies. I I have the Blu-ray for like Alien and Aliens, but I have not seen them yet. However, I have seen the first Terminator, and I've also seen Titanic. And you liked both of those as well? I love them, both of them. So you really do uh, have to go and watch um, Alien. Now, he didn't direct that one. That was Ridley Scott, but... We did that. We did aliens on the podcast here. I didn't really like aliens all that much. I know Derek. He wasn't really mad at me for that, but I thought the first alien was good. Uh, Derek, your thoughts on James Cameron? 
Uh, I love him. I mean, I mean, as an artist, I love him. I don't know about his personal life. He's got issues, and I'm not even going to go down that road. But he's Canadian, based on right, he is. He is. He's and uh, but down based like around St. Catharines or something. Uh, sure. Not not sure where he's from. I do know he's Canadian. Uh, I mean, he's arguably one of the most uh, successful directors ever, as far as box office. I mean, he has Titanic, which was number one forever in a day. He has uh, Avatar, which. I think bumped Titanic out of the number one spot. And then of course there's the Terminator and Terminator two uh, aliens, like he, he, and the abyss, like this guy knows how to make a blockbuster and he makes an entertaining movie. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, from that point of view, I, it's rare that I would, it's rare that you go and see a James Cameron movie and you walk out and feel disappointed. Um, He's the king so. of sequels too, isn't he? Um, well, he's certainly done a, a handful. And I mean, even like something like um, Avatar, I think he's mm. planning to make five Avatar movies and they're in the process of shooting parts two and three together right now uh, with, a, you know, I think they're going to be another year or so before they're even ready. And that's assuming that the people can go back to work and not be screwed up by the covid restrictions. But, um, yeah, I mean, he he, uh, he knows how to make a movie. The, the, his his hits are hits for a reason. Well, like we met, he obviously he did T2 Judgment Day. We're talking about, we mentioned he did Aliens and he started his directing career with Piranha 2 The Spawning, which was a sequel to a personal favorite of mine, Piranha. But in the sequel, the Piranha have wings and then they fly through the air and they bite people. So that's how he got started. Um, One thing we've mentioned before is that one of the one of one of the interesting ways to look at a movie is to understand the time in which it's made and someone like myself who's a gen xer and i lived through those times i can tell you the cold war was just coming to an end when this movie came out and luke i know like it's tough for you to understand but there was a time you know in the late 80s and right through the 80s and up until this movie where the threat of nuclear war and mass death was it was something that a lot of people were really scared about. And I remember there was a TV movie called The Day After back in the 80s. It was all about nuclear war and the aftermath. And for me, this movie, T2, is kind of, a, it's like a pledge for peace. You know, it, it, it talks about the horrors of nuclear war. And, and I, I just, I, I wonder, Luke, as, 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 as someone who's young and had never had to live through that time and never had to be scared of nuclear war, um, what was your take on all the nuclear war and devastation stuff in the film? How did you uh, interpret a lot of that that was going on? Um, well, uh, like I've sort of found like the thought of like just the whole world getting destroyed, like really scared ever. And like the movie like explains like nuclear explosions and stuff like that really well. Like they actually make it like, I don't know, like they just do a good job on like, I don't know, it's kind of hard to, like, think about in a sort of way, because I don't really, I've never really heard, like, thought about nuclear wars and stuff like that. Exactly, like, you've never had to experience it, and that's great. I'm glad that people like yourself and my son have never had to, to live through that. But, I mean, it was a very real thing. I mean, Derek, you you know, you're, you're not quite as old as me, <laughs> but, you know, you're older, and you know what it's like, right? Yeah, but, I mean, uh, again, I'm, I'm not that much younger than you, but I never felt growing up, like, Oh my God, the world could come to an end. I mean, I was young, so I probably didn't understand the potential for that. But even as I got a little older for it, I, I don't know. I guess it just, it was maybe just a tiny bit before my time. But I do remember that movie you were talking about the day after. I remember when after that aired, like a lot of people were like totally freaked out that weren't 
freaked out until that point. So that was a huge uh, that was a huge deal when it came out. Well, and the thing with James Cameron, too, is like I think that he's sort of used his position, you know, as being a famous director to sort of inject some social commentary into his films. Like in Avatar, we saw it with, you know, sort of all about the the environmentalism stuff. And they even mentioned in this movie, if a machine can learn the value of human life, you know, maybe we can, too. You know, like he seems to try to get messages across, you know, as he's become more famous. Uh, a little bit about the movie itself. I want to mention the scene at the beginning when they're they're going to the mall and they're at the arcade. First thing, that's the same mall that was in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, by the way. Little piece of trivia. Uh, Luke, a couple things. I know that you, you know, you review Gen X movies on your YouTube channel. You might not want to go back and do Fast Times. If you do, like, I didn't tell you to go back and watch that one. <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble with your parents. <laughs> but it was a great movie. It was great, but you, you, be, you, you may, need to we'll be give a it a couple older. of years. Yeah. It's got a lot of mature themes in it. <laughs> But the other thing is I got to tell you, oh, Luke, man, one thing that your generation will never experience, and it's just, it's so bad. It's it's really too bad. It's just what it's like to go to the arcade. Like, it was, that was a staple for me when I was growing up. Man, I loved going to the, I had the all-time high score on Dragon's Lair at my local arcade. Like, going to the arcade was, it was just something so cool. Like, now it's all video games at home, right? Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as arcades anymore. Do they even exist? They don't exist anymore, do they? Um, well, they have like retro arcades. Um, there's a couple of them here in Toronto where, uh, it, and it's appealing to people like you and I, Chris, where you go in, you pay a flat fee, and they have all those old school 70s and 80s console games, and you can just play them as often as you want. So I think it's like 10 bucks for the whole night, and they're licensed, so you can have a drink and something to eat, and you stay all night, and then they've got like, Pinball machines and video games. But again, for these are all retro games from the 70s and 80s. I don't I don't think there's a a real market for them anymore. Now, it's hard to complete with compete with like a PlayStation or an Xbox. Yeah. Um, One thing I thought was cool in this movie, too, was kind of the idea that it must be fun for a kid to have a pet Terminator, you know, (laughs) that'll do whatever that he says, because the kid at one point realizes that Arnold has to do whatever he says. So he orders them like not to kill anyone. And so, so Arnold just shoots people in the knees. <laughs> and it's it just, he almost had a laugh because like, well, I guess the kid didn't tell him not to shoot anyone, just not kill anyone, <laughs> right? And then, uh, and even when the cops and the military are shooting at him, he just shoots everybody in the knees, which I, just, I, don't know, I thought it was, you shouldn't be laughing at this because I mean, he's shooting people, but I, don't know, I thought it was interesting. So Chris, um, let me, let me use yeah. this opportunity to jump in and tell you a little story then. So. Sure. When this movie first came out, much just like you, I saw it in the theater. And when I saw it in the theater for the first time, we went on opening night. I believe it was a Friday night, as movies back then always seemed to premiere on a Friday rather than now where they premiere on a Thursday. And I was working part-time at the local Canadian Tire. And my shift would end at 9.30 most nights because the store closed at 9. You were done by 9.30. The movie started at 10. And I can remember my buddy said, okay, we can go Friday night. You have to have to have to get out of work at 930 you you got to do whatever you can to make sure that you're out on time because it's going to be a close call. We've got the tickets ahead of time, but this was before reserved seating. So they're like, we're already going to get crappy seats. You need to do what you can. I'm like, hey, yeah, no problem. And then I remember for whatever reason, we didn't get out of work until like 945 and my buddies are outside in the car, like losing their mind. So when I come out, 
They're like, we're going to be late for this movie. We speed to the theater. We get there. We're like the very last people to go in the theater. Like the, the lights are going down and we go in and we were, we had to sit in the very front row way off to the right side, like as far to the right as you can. Like you, we couldn't even see the entire screen. The seats were so bad. But even with that experience, the movie was fantastic. So then a, a couple of nights later, we had to go back and see it again. Uh, and we made sure we were on time that time. But uh, it was uh, that was that was my experience of seeing the theater. But before that, so the movie came out in the summer. A few months earlier, we had gone to see a movie called Run starring Patrick Dempsey. You seen it? course you haven't seen it it was terrible it, I've we, like, heard of it. yeah uh so anyway uh i don't know why i remember this so clearly we went to this movie run it came out in like february so this would have been three or four months before terminator and when we went to see this movie the audio was not working in the theater properly so they started showing the coming attractions trailers at the beginning like they always do and we're watching trailers for movies with no sound and people are yelling boo boo turn the sound on so they do a couple of trailers, and by now a few people have thought, well, I gotta, uh, you know, we can yell at the screen, but unless somebody goes to tell a manager, the sound is not going to come back on. So the people are leaving the theater to go get them to turn the sound on, and they start showing the trailer for Terminator 2. This is the very first time anybody in this theater has even seen this trailer, but there's no audio. We're just watching it. The audio comes back on with like 10 seconds left in the trailer. And the, it's at a part in the trailer where Arnold Schwarzenegger is on the motorbike with Edward Furlong. And all that happens is Arnold puts up his hands and says, I swear I will not kill anybody. Now, having no context and having no understanding that Arnold Schwarzenegger is not the villainous Terminator from the first movie, the theater erupts in laughter because people are like that sound like it was totally unexpected. And nobody in that theater who saw the trailer in that way had any concept that Arnold Schwarzenegger was the good guy, having not heard the the commentary that goes with it. Because, I mean, in years later since then, we've seen the trailer again. And the overdubbing is like, he was the villain in the first one, and now he's here to save John Connor. But when you don't have that audio and all you're getting is the shooting and the explosions, it's not immediately apparent that that's what the movie's about. So it was really interesting when we went to see Terminator for the very first time. We still had no clue that he was supposed to be the good guy because the the one chance the trailer had to ruin that for us through some total fluke, no audio. So uh, I don't I, know. Luke, I always remember it clearly. That oh, that's cool. Uh, so Luke, I have a question for you. The one thing about this movie that I didn't think was great was the whole side story with Dyson. So what did you think of all that? I liked it personally. I mean. I sort of liked how. Wait, it's just like spoilers or no spoilers. Oh it's no, thirty years old. Spoil, spoil away. The thing's thirty years old. Exactly. <laughs> spoil away. I do like how he sacrificed himself. I didn't mind the plot actually. I sort of liked it. And Derek, what do you think? I I personally thought that the Dyson side story was kind of dumb. Like, no, I think it was necessary because I think the point, part of the point of the story, is that um, your actions have consequences. And that's the whole thing with the time, like with any time travel movie is there's always that wrestling of, am I doing this time travel to make change or am I doing this time travel and I can't change anything because I don't want to screw up what's coming next. Even like back to the future, you think about it. And the whole idea is he ends up back in the past unintentionally. And then when he realizes he's made change, he has to fix it. Right. It's like most time travel movies have that sort of element of can you affect the future by, by making changes in the past? And I think that the Dyson part of the story is important that 
you know, like she says, oh, he's got this thing. There's no fate but what we make for ourselves. That you can, you're, you know, it's up to you to decide as an individual, what do you want to do? You have free will. You can make choices and those choices have ramifications. And in this case, a choice made in 1991 is supposed to have change in 1997, I believe it is, when it's supposed to be Judgment Day. Um so yeah, no, I, I think it's necessary. I liked it. I, again, I already talked about the casting of Dyson. I thought that was good. Um, no, I think I think it's necessary, and I enjoyed it. I like the actor that played him. Like I said, the brother from another planet. But they could have totally cut that out of the script. I think the movie would have been better off. I just I, they, no, it also I, would have been like thirty minutes shorter, which probably uh, wouldn't be good. The, and the reason why I think that is because when Robert Patrick appears again after all that Dyson stuff, I was like, okay, here we go again. You know, like it was getting good again at that point. Like it, I felt like the movie was back on track, you know, I, I think the only thing in this movie that matters is Arnold and Patrick and Sarah and John. That's it. Uh, Luke, you mentioned earlier uh, about some of the special effects and how a lot of them were done like without CGI with real stuff. One of them I wanted to mention was the helicopter and I kind of touched base on it. Um, it's not like now if they made the movie today they would have just used CGI and just had the helicopter chasing them. But they actually had to somehow get a helicopter to fly under the highway overpasses, you know, to shoot the movie. And so, I mean, like, any thoughts from yourself as a young person who has grown up with all these CGI movies, you know, how important it is to have regular special effects in a movie? What do you think? I think it's really important. Like, I'm sort of... I don't like how in these new movies, like, how they just use so much CGI when they could clearly use practical effects and it would clearly look look better. But, uh, yeah, I knew about, like, that helicopter, like, chase sequence, how, like, apparently, like, James Cameron, like, had to record it himself because, like, none of the crew wanted to film it. I thought the helicopter chase sequence, like... It actually feels intense because it's really happening. Like, people are really, like, flying helicopters and filming it. And, yeah, I just really like how much practical effects. So what what you're saying is practical special effects are better than CGI, right? I think practical effects are a bit better. Just because it looks more real. You're my new best friend. I think it's just great. Mm. Um, another thing I wanted to mention was the, the truck chase scene. Like it was just like, again, you can't do this with CGI. You can't, it was just crazy. And although I will say when they were chasing, uh, in the, in with the, the truck, it was a little bit of a rehash from the first movie. Um, but there was a lot of action going on there. Like, so I don't know. I thought it was good. Uh, Derek, what are your thoughts on this before I move on CGI versus you know, sort of traditional special effects. Uh, well, I mean, there's certainly growing up with movies like Star Wars. There's certainly uh, uh, a special place in my heart for practical effects. And but as the technology gets better and better, I think that there is certainly opportunities for digital effects to surpass what you can do with practical effects, or at least what you can do given people's time and money and resources. Like there's. Uh, to your point, a lot of stuff today they would use digital effects because it's faster, cheaper, safer. Like that was one of the things I kept reading with the Terminator movie, especially that parts with the helicopter, is some of the stunt people that were supposed to be attached to those stunts flat out said, I'm not doing this stunt. I believe it's too dangerous. And uh, and, and they were they were you know, they had a legitimate point. Like you're flying a real helicopter in a dangerous circumstance. 
there is the there is the possibility of real people losing their lives. Whereas with digital effects, you eliminate that. So, uh, I I think as the technology improves, the practical effects will go away, and digital effects will become the norm. Derek and Luke, you guys have both mentioned there was a couple of tie-ins between the first movie and the second movie. Um, the one thing that that stood out to me, and I made a note of it, was when um, when when they get into like that factory at the end, and Arnold has to go back and fight uh, Robert Patrick's cop Terminator, and he says to them, he's like, "I'll be back." Or was it "I'll be back"? That's not where he said. No, he says that when they're leaving the uh, Cyberdyne. Well, I thought he said "I'll be back." I don't know. I thought he said it. No. Um, no. One thing I want to mention, I thought was really cool. Um, and it is a CGI effect, but it, it, the liquid nitrogen, when when it hits Robert Patrick's character and he, and he starts like breaking apart and his feet are like sticking to the ground, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was, I mean, we never see anything like that. And that's the thing with James Cameron. He's always pushing the envelope to try and come up with something new and creative, which is part of the reason his movies, I believe, part of the reason his movies have been so successful. Like with Titanic, the whole way that he's got the ship sinking and and with Avatar, his whole, uh, you know, space stuff. Like he he really has an eye for for what's the next best thing, what's the next great thing in special effects. And that whole idea with uh, the liquid Terminator, like it was just <laughs> it was so pretty good. cool. It was pretty yeah. cool. So, so Luke, Liquid Terminator, cool or not cool? Extremely cool. I it love the Liquid. Cool. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I also I thought it was neat when he like gets totally frozen and then like the heat from the fire oh, melts same. him. I love and, that. Oh, that was so cool that it like it, he goes back together. It holds up well too. It does. Like and, and even the scenes like where it morphs between kind of like the the molten you know metal into. Uh, Robert Patrick, it, it, it's still pretty good. I mean, I like at the very end when they when they're gonna fight each other, and it's the two actors uh, fighting. And the thing is, again, maybe it was the 4K TV. I don't know what it was, but you could really tell that it's two stuntmen because it's like so high def. You could see their faces, so you can totally tell. Um, and then I guess the very end of the movie, nothing kills this guy liquid nitrogen nothing it's it's the metal or the lava or whatever the hell it was at the bottom but then when arnold has to go in and has to get descended into the metal i will say this i, I was in it for the whole movie you know the dyson thing kind of sucked but i was in it for the whole movie i thought it was all cool but at the very end when his hand goes up and he gives the thumbs up as he's going in that was a little bit cheesy i didn't like that part what do you guys think luke i actually really like the thumbs up i think Every time like I see it, I just think it more adds a lot of emotional weight to the scene. I really like it. Yeah, and I'm sort of on the fence. I don't have a problem with it, but I don't think it was awesome. But um, I, I go, you know, I, I'm, I'm indifferent to it. So overall, at this point, we want to give the movie a rating out of 10. Uh, Luke, you want to go ahead? Out of 10, what would you rate this movie? Okay, the movie, I, I'd say i give it a 10. I love it. Oh, wow. Personally. Okay, you love this movie. Okay, Derek. Rating out of 10, what do you say? Yeah, I'm going to give it a 9. It definitely makes my all-time top 10 favorite movie lists, no question. Give it a 9 out of 10. Okay, you guys are much more high on it than I'm. I'll give it a 7.5 out of 10. I suck, though, too. you got to remember that. Well, you said it. I mean, I'm I'm agreeing with it, but you said it. (laughs) Whatever. All right, time now to have some fun with Caveman. Okay, so Luke, I don't know if you know this. I don't know if you're a regular listener of the show, but 
I like to write songs and debut them here on the podcast. You know, oh, we all know that around oh, here. No. Oh no. And don't please please don't. <laughs> and <laughs> thought we were getting a whole week off from this. <laughs> so no no one there's the good news is there's no new songs, Derek. So, oh, all right. Woo. But the thing is, when it comes to my songs, last week, Derek, Mr. Oh man, you mentioned that I asked you if you liked my song last week, and you said picking between my songs was like picking picking between piles of poop. So yeah, that sounds like something I'd say. Yeah, you but with love, Chris, with with totally with love. Yeah, I'm sure it was with love. Because so I respect I, your opinion, as we've already established on this show. So calling my songs piles of poop, you know, is done with love. This segment is also going to be done with love. So here's what okay. we're going to do: we're going to play a little game of Arnold Schwarzenegger trivia. I'm going to alternate between asking Luke questions and asking Derek questions, and whoever gets the most right answers will be named the king of Arnold Schwarzenegger trivia, and the loser will be named a pile of poop. Oh, jeez. Okay. Luke, we're going to start with you. Arnold Schwarzenegger, the star of this mm-hmm. movie. Okay? What is Arnold Schwarzenegger's first name? Oh, what? What's his Wait. first name? Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh. Arnold? What? Correct. I yes, was you got one right. Thought- I Very thought good. I was gonna have like a different like long form name or something. No, 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 no. It's it's. I'm easy with these. I give easy questions. Derek, spell Schwarzenegger. Um, am I allowed to look it up? No. Then I, I, I'm just gonna save the embarrassment and say I don't know how to spell it properly. Sorry, one for Luke, zero for Derek. Luke, complete the title of this movie, okay? Terminator Two: Judgment Blank. Very good. Derek, how many seconds are there in a day? Uh, uh, a lot. I'm sorry, you don't know the answer. Luke, what country country was Arnold Schwarzenegger born in? Austria. Very good. Derek, can you name the hospital that he was born in? No, I cannot. But can you? I want it, the answer. It was Krakenhaus de Elizabethan. Oh, it was right on the tip of my tongue. If yeah, you'd give I, me more time, I totally would have come up with that. <laughs> Luke, from 2003 to 2011, Arnold Schwarzenegger was the governor of which U.S. state? Australia. Close enough. It was California. Derek, what was the first piece of legislation that he signed into law? Clean Air Act. Oh, I'm sorry. It was the Vehicle Registration Fee Restoration Act. I thought that was the second one. (laughs) Luke, in 1990, Arnold Schwarzenegger starred in a movie where he posed as a kindergarten teacher but was really a cop. What was the name of the movie where he played a kindergarten cop? Kindergarten cop. (laughs) You are correct. Very good. Derek, what is Arnold Schwarzenegger's IQ. Oh, geez, I don't know. 110. I'm sorry, it's 135. I knew he's, he's a smart guy. Yeah. Luke, in one of his most famous roles, Arnold Schwarzenegger played a character called Conan the what? Oh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, 
Ah, you were close enough. It's Conan the Barbarian. Derek, name the language and the original term that the word barbarian is derived from. Uh, It's from the, I don't know, Norse. Yeah, it's from the Greek word barbarous. Luke, Uh, in the movie Jingle All the Way, Arnold Schwarzenegger plays a man trying to find the perfect present to put under the tree for his son. The movie takes place around which holiday? Christmas. Correct. Very good. Derek, where did the idea of the Christmas tree first originate? I don't know. It was 15th century German Christians. Well, it looks like Luke has been crowned king of Arnold Schwarzenegger trivia. And Derek, you've been named a pile of poop. Just like my songs. That's fair. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit of payback for you. No kidding. (laughs) Sorry, man. (laughs) You call my songs poop, I'm going to get you back. Payback is a bitch. (laughs) So, Luke, I hope you had fun joining us here on the show. If nothing else, you were named king of Arnold Schwarzenegger trivia. So unlike Derek, who is named the pile of poop. So I just want to remind everybody, uh, Luke, of uh, where they can find your movie reviews on YouTube. Oh, yeah, of course. So you guys can find my uh, channel. Remember, it has 109 subscribers because I think there's other YouTube channels. And I just do movie reviews. I upload some trailers and I review. I'm going to start reviewing some more games soon. And yeah, you could just find me on YouTube. Awesome. Make sure you head over to YouTube and find Luke Tilly's channel. Uh, make sure you subscribe and like his videos. That's going to really help out Luke over there. And while you're at it, take a minute and post a review of our podcast wherever you download and listen to the show. It would really help out myself and Derek as well. Um, we do this as a, a labor of love, don't we, Derek? Except except when Absolutely. you make fun of my songs, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Start a feud. <laughs> But it's a lot of fun to do. So I'll tell you what, until next time, this is Chris McBrien for Derek Myers saying thanks for listening to the show and we'll see you next time here at Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World. You can contact Chris and Derek at popgoesyourworld.com. Please take a minute and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show. 